Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Amen. Well, let's jump right on in. I invite you to pull out your bulletin right there on the inside. You're going to find an outlong, uh, outline that will help you. An outlong. All right. Don't get scared because it does look long today, but I promise I don't have 14 preaching points. So there's just 14 ideas. All right. And we're, that, that's not, it's not going to be a super long one today. But there is an outline in there that will help you follow along. All right. We're going to continue this morning our summer theme which is heart for the house right and we've been talking now this is the third week we're talking about refreshing and refocusing on who we are over the summer just remembering who we really are as a church who we are as a family and just quickly to review what we've seen the past few weeks and and uh I, I would say you're, gonna, you're not going to get tired of this, but by the end of, of this summer theme, you're going to know it by heart. And that Encounter Church, we have a vision, right? And what is our vision? Come on, some of you, it might be the first time you hear this, but for most of you, you could probably repeat it in your sleep, right? Encounter Church, our vision, what we see is helping Helping people encounter God. That's what we're all about. Everything we do as a church, as a ministry, is all to help people, to help you, to help others have an encounter with God. And we say that we do that by doing three things. And, you know, most people would say, well, this is our mission. If that's our vision, what we see happening is helping people encounter God. How do we do it? That is through, again, I always point you to the back wall, but most of you know it by now. But if it's new for you, take a look at the back wall. How do we help people encounter God? We reach, disciple, and revive. God's called us to reach people, all kinds of people, right? And bring people into a relationship with Jesus. To make disciples, disciple, right? Which is where we focused on last Sunday and where we're going to break it down even a little more today. We make disciples of Jesus and we believe that the biblical pattern of that is that when you reach people and bring them into a relationship with Jesus and you make disciples, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. That's what happened in the Bible and that's what most people call a revival, right? So we believe in doing and we do these three things. And then last week we learned what that makes us, okay? We could say, um, what is the definition of Encounter Church? And I believe we have it uh, on the screen here for you today that will help you. Uh, why don't we read it together? And when we get to the uh, all caps words, just say it a little bit louder. Is that all right? Are you ready? Let's see if we can read it in unison. That is a challenge. Ready? Encounter Church is a diverse family gathered around and united by the presence of Jesus driven to make Driven to make what? Disciples. Come on, somebody. Driven to make disciples. disciples. We are here for that reason. Come on. If it were all about just the presence, why don't we just go ahead and get ourselves on into heaven, right? Because there the presence is even better. But we are here in, on earth and in this city to make Disciples, okay, a word that is often misunderstood, and today everybody's going to leave here with a crystal clear understanding of what it means to be a disciple. So let's go back to what we read last Sunday, which is in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came, now again, we're going to do something just to stay engaged and really get it this morning. When I pause, you say the word, all right? 
I'm going to read it, but when I pause, you say the word. Are you ready? Jesus came and told his I have been given all in heaven and on earth. Therefore, and disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, that one was tough, right? Teach, all right. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We went really fast with this last Sunday and kind of broke this verse down. But basically, in a nutshell, Jesus is the highest authority in all the universe. Nobody else has more authority than him. And authority really is about him, right? And, and, and we learned last Sunday that if we're going to make disciples, we need some authority. Not authority over people, but authority in the spirit, right? Because there's a spiritual battle going on for the souls of people. And we need authority to be able to win that battle, right? And now, because Jesus has all authority and we're in him, we have the authority, right? But we have the authority to what? Go. Come on, somebody say go. Because disciples don't come. We got to go get them, right? And then we learned last Sunday that Jesus said, make disciples. Disciples don't make themselves, right? Nor does Jesus make disciples. He told us to go and make disciples, right? And we learned last Sunday that if we make disciples, he builds his church. And he said to teach disciples. What do we teach disciples? Come on, what are we in here this morning doing, disciples? We're learning the Word of God, right? That's so important. That's the point of discipleship is to teach people and give people the Word of God as the foundation for their life. And finally, the very best part of being a disciple of Jesus, of following Jesus and then helping others to follow Jesus, right? What's the very best part? It's His, ah, some of you remember, it's His presence. He said, I'll be with you as you go. And make disciples. I'll be with you. Now, to take it a step further today, what then is a disciple? We use this word a lot. It's kind of a churchy word, although there is, there is definitely the, the use of the word disciple in, outside of the church in the world, right? But it's most of the time a, a word that we hear at church, and we hear the word especially discipleship, Right? So what is a disciple then, and what is discipleship? It, it's important that we have a crystal clear understanding of that because then we can actually do it. But if we're going around using these words that we kind of have, a, we don't really have a handle on what they really mean, then we might find ourselves doing a bunch of stuff that really isn't what we're supposed to be doing, right? And so today, let's look, what is a disciple and what is discipleship really? The title of today's message is Discipleship Facts and fiction, right? How many of us like to read uh, fiction novels? Does anybody like to read fiction novels? Okay. For, oh, wow, not many. All right. Who actually, who likes to read fiction? Who likes to watch movies? Okay. Nine out of 10 are fiction, right? Oh, might not have many readers in the house. All right. That's okay. How many of us like to just know the facts? Right? Like, I want to know the facts. I don't want to be guessing. I don't want, uh, the, you know, to, to be tricked. 
I want to know the facts, right? And so today we're going to take a look at some facts and some fictions, right? At some truths and some myths about discipleship. So very simply, in the New Testament, are y'all ready? Because that's what matters, what the New Testament says, right? What the Bible says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't even matter if we've been in church our whole life and we've been taught wrong, okay? In the New Testament, a disciple, okay, was anyone who followed Jesus around and held to his teachings. Anyone who followed Jesus around and held to his teachings, right? In fact, the words follower and disciple are used interchangeably in the New Testament. See, a lot of times at church, we kind of misuse a word. And this is where I want us to get some, some, some clarity first before we go into anything else. Disciple is a better word. It's a more biblical word than believer. Okay? Are you with me? Of course you have to believe to be a disciple. But it wasn't until much later that the disciples started being called believers. Okay? Because people identified Jesus' followers is people that believed in Jesus, so they called them believers. Now, must we be believers to be disciples? Absolutely, but a much better word to describe a person who believes in Jesus is disciple, okay? What is a disciple? Here is the, the, the simplest, easiest definition of disciple, and I believe you have this there in your bulletin. A disciple is a person who follows Jesus, a disciple is a person who follows Jesus. What does that mean? If you read in the New Testament through the Gospels, a bunch of crowds would come to Jesus, and Jesus would teach crowds of people, and some of that crowd followed him around everywhere, and they were called his See, it wasn't just the 12 apostles that were called the disciples. Read the New Testament. It talks about crowds of disciples that followed Jesus around everywhere and learned his teachings, right? They believed. Some of them, it took a long time to believe. But they followed Jesus and they were called disciples, right? So a disciple is a person who follows Jesus. What then is discipleship? What is discipleship? Discipleship is the process of helping someone else follow Jesus. To be a disciple is to follow Jesus. To make a disciple is just to help somebody else follow Jesus. It really is that simple, but oftentimes we really complicate that. It's just to follow him and help others follow him. That's what it means to be a disciple and to make disciples. So would you like to learn Let's restate that. Would you like to unlearn some myths this morning? Yes. I'm telling you, as I tell you, I'm going to give you seven fiction statements about disciples and discipleship, okay? And some of these, all right, I'm just going to be open and honest and vulnerable. Some of these fiction statements, some of these myths, I have believed before and found myself frustrated because what I believe about discipleship isn't necessarily what it is. How many of us know if we're going to be successful disciples and disciple makers, we really need to know what it is, right? 
And so if, as I say these things, I'm not coming to you as somebody that I already knew all of this. No, I am even relearning some of this stuff as I'm teaching it to you. Is that all right? Is it okay for the pastor to learn while he teaches you? So go ahead and say, it's okay. We're going to renew our mind together. Um, let me just give you a little disclaimer before I give you the seven fiction statements. Some, if not all of these fictional things, can and do happen in discipleship. Okay? Everything I'm going to say here that's fiction, I'm not saying it's altogether false. Because some of these things actually do happen as a part of or they're the result of discipleship. But what we're going after this morning is what it really is. What is the heart of discipleship? Not what happens because of discipleship. All righty, already? Fiction statement number one. Discipleship takes a long time. Discipleship takes a long time. According to the New Testament model, which is the one that matters, right? According to the Jesus model, discipleship happened relatively quickly. Okay. Luke has 24 chapters. Yeah? So it's, it's a very long, substantial gospel. 24 chapters. It is the most detailed, deep version of the gospel. Okay? Only in Luke chapter 10. I mean, we're not even to the halfway point yet. He's not even near the cross yet. And it says from the crowds that followed him around, his disciples, he chose 72 of them. Okay? Some translations say 70, some say 72. Okay? But 70 or 72 of them. And it says he sent them out to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. Only 10 chapters into the gospel. You say, well, these people weren't very well trained yet. You better believe it. How did they become better disciples? By doing, right? See, discipleship isn't a long process. It is a process, which we're going to learn more about here in a minute. But discipleship doesn't have to take a, a long time. Let me throw this out there uh, to you, too. In just three short years... Twelve of those disciples were ready to totally take over. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a very long time to me. For twelve guys to be trained to take over the most important message and the most important mission in all of history. It just took three years for them to be ready. Now, were they a, a perfect, mature disciples in three years? No. But they were ready to take over Jesus' mission in three years. The 70 were ready. I don't know if it had been a few months or a year or whatever. I don't know exactly the time frame there. But it hadn't been long when they were sent out just to preach and go bring more people. And the 12 were ready in three short years. So discipleship does not have to take a long time. Are you all right? Number two, fiction. Discipleship is all about maturing the saints. There's another word for that. Anybody know what it means to mature the saints? starts with an S. Sanctification, right? That sanctification to mature a disciple, to mature a follower of Jesus is called sanctification. And that definitely takes some more time, right? That definitely is not a short process, but 
remember, we have to remember something. If, if we're being disciples, and let me go more to the making other disciples. If I'm making other disciples, it's not my responsibility to get each and every one of them where they need to be. It's not my responsibility if today I share the good news with a person and they believe in Jesus and they start following Jesus. It isn't my responsibility to get that person to, to become mature. It is my responsibility to help them learn how to follow Jesus. And as they follow Jesus, it'll take some time to become mature. Are y'all with me? Because yes. some of us, I think, have been frustrated like, uh, I know that many of you are making disciples. You're going after other people, right? And sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not a very good disciple maker but because, wow, how immature. That's all right. It wasn't your job in the first place. Our job is not to mature people. It is to teach people to follow Jesus. I said this last Sunday, and it's so important that we really get this. Are you all all right? When I'm making disciples... I better not be teaching people to be accountable to me. I better be teaching people to live accountable to him. Because if I'm here or if I'm gone, the goal is you follow Jesus. But a lot of times we hold people accountable. We shouldn't be holding people accountable. We should be teaching people to be accountable to Jesus. Okay? Number three, fiction. Discipleship is counseling. And some of you that aren't good at counseling, just breathe the deep sigh of relief. Honestly, I'm not the best counselor. But much of what's done in the name of discipleship nowadays is simply counseling disobedient believers. A lot of what the church calls discipleship is just meeting with the same person over and over and over again and hearing the same issues over and over and over again and they haven't got through those issues because they have not obeyed what they need to do. Now, I am not downplaying the role of counselors. Thank God for counselors. Sometimes I need one. Counselors are there to help, to listen, to kind of help figure out your issues and help you through them. But that ain't discipleship. That is not discipleship. That's counseling. Are y'all okay? This will set you free. You ready for this one? Counselors are good, but a disciple maker's job is not to counsel people, but to teach people to hear the counselor's voice. If, if you're a Jesus follower, you ought not be following a person. You ought to be following Jesus' voice. And what did Jesus call the Holy Spirit? He called him many things. The spirit of truth, the comforter, but he's also the counselor. He's the, capital T, capital C, the counselor. Thank God I don't have to be the counselor. And neither do you. If you find yourself frustrated because it's just like you're counseling people and you're counseling people and they don't seem to get it, you're right. They don't get it. Sometimes we don't get it. But guess who's the best counselor and the one we should be teaching people? You need to hear his voice and do what he says. 
Oh, it's the spirit of Jesus. Discipleship is not counseling. Come on, everybody, breathe deep. I just want to say, if you are a counselor in the house, thank you. Thank you. That is a calling. All right. Number four, fiction. Discipleship is just a meaningful relationship. Actually, no, that's called friendship. <laughs> and friends are good. Come on, somebody say, friends are good. Come on, tell your friend next to you, friends are good. But if all you have is friendship with no intentional training somebody to follow Jesus, then you have a friend, not a disciple. Okay? And Jesus' command wasn't go into all the world and make lots of friends. I can tell you 22 years in ministry, the, 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 especially the, the, the young men that I've discipled have become my very best friends. It happens. It happened in, in, with Jesus and his 12, right? But Jesus didn't start off by saying, hey, you, Matthew, come be my friend. Oh, no. He said, hey, leave what you're doing. Come follow me. And now I'm going to show you what to do. See, discipleship is intentional training. It's not just a relationship. Now, does discipleship require a relationship? Uh, yes, absolutely. It's not just the next one, number five, fiction. Discipleship is not just a class. Okay? It's not just a class. Discipleship classes are good and necessary, but that is not all there is to it because a class is just learning stuff. Discipleship is doing stuff. Okay? It's not just a class. We need both. Now, this is not on the screen or in your bulletin, so maybe if you want to scribble it down there at the bottom in those little lines, write in all caps, R-E-D, red. We talked about this last Sunday, but... I'm going to say it again. If you can remember red, you're going to be good to go, right? Who can remember what real discipleship is? It's like a formula. R plus E equals D, right? What is that? Relationship plus education equals discipleship. We need both. We need both. Do you need meaningful relationship with people in your life that can teach you and help you follow Jesus? Yes. But you need more than just the friendship. You need to be taught. I need to be taught. If you're trying to help another person follow Jesus, you're making disciples. It's one thing to just have a good friend. That's good and well. But if you want to make that person a disciple, you got to be their friend and teach them. Right? Discipleship isn't just a class and it's not just a relationship. Come on, somebody say, it's both. Everybody say Red. Number six, fiction. Discipleship is mentoring people in their calling. Why did it get so quiet on that one? I say this really gently. You okay? Not everybody's ready to have a mentor. <laughs> right? Like, if you want to be the next... I don't even know the right word for it. Head quarterback? Is that a thing? Help me, Isaac. <laughs> quarterback for the Falcons. For the Falcons, and you ain't even played high school football. 
You ain't ready for a mentor yet. Are y'all okay? Mentorship, mentoring people in their calling, their personal calling, a.k.a. if you're called to be a counselor, you're called to be a teacher, you're called to be a lawyer, you're called to be a preacher, you're called to be a whatever, okay? Mentorship is good, but that's another level of discipleship, y'all. Discipling people doesn't necessarily mean you got to help every one of them find their calling and mentor. Guess what? You're going to make many disciples that they're not called to the same exact thing you are. Listen, I can disciple you. I can teach you to follow Jesus, but I cannot teach you to be a recruiter. Julian can. I can disciple you. I can teach you to follow Jesus, but I sure can't help you to be a nurse. I can't mentor you there, but Becca might be able to because she is. Discipleship is not, you should not, if you are in a discipleship relationship and you're looking for somebody to mentor you in your calling, that might not be the right person. And if you are making disciples and you're struggling because you're like, I don't know how to develop this person in their calling, that's okay. You might not be able to because that's not what discipleship is anyway. Come on, somebody say discipleship Discipleship. is following Jesus and helping others. To follow Jesus. It really is that simple. Number seven, the seventh. All right, before I say number seven, let let me just make one thing very, very clear. There is one calling that's for every Christian. Are y'all all right? What is that calling? Make disciples. That's every Christian. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, a nurse, a lawyer, a teacher, a car mechanic. Everybody has a personal gift or talent and calling that they're supposed to do in the world, right? But there's one thing. If you follow Jesus, you're supposed to help other people follow Jesus. We're all called to that. Number seven, fiction. I can't make more disciples than Tim. I'm a mature disciple. I think we already talked about the 70 being sent out pretty quick and the 12 being ready after just three short years, right? But listen, maturity is good. And yes, like, We need to mature, absolutely, but maturity is the result of long-term discipleship. It's not, maturity isn't what qualifies you to go make other disciples. Listen, I know in this room, some of you that are wonderful disciples of Jesus and very immature. Why did only Liz laugh? Oh, because she'd know who I'm talking about. All right, no, I'm just playing, all right. You can be a great disciple of Jesus without being mature yet. Come on, somebody needed to hear that. You can be a good follower of Jesus, love Jesus with all your heart, trying your very, very best with his grace and the Holy Spirit to obey him and, you know, just do what his word says and still be immature. That doesn't mean you're a bad disciple. It just means you're immature. And you don't have to wait to be mature, which who even knows what that means? Like, because that means something different for everybody. To be used by God. You don't have to be a mature disciple to make more disciples. You just have to be following Jesus and say, hey, come on. Let's do this together. Right? Now, just a couple examples of this. Who remembers the Apostle Paul? (laughs) So, like a week before, he was like, hey, let me hold your coat. You go stone all those Christians over there. He was a Christian killer. He encounters Jesus. Boom, the light from heaven. Bam, on the ground. I don't believe in falling out. Well, 
Well, all right. He encounters Jesus, the light, boom, on the ground. He actually goes blind for a few days, and he comes to a disciple. Anybody remember the disciple's name? Ananias, all right? And Ananias prays for him, and he helps him, and he feeds him. And listen, it's not much longer. It's literally only like a few days later that Saul, still Saul, is out there preaching and starting to bring more disciples to Jesus. You don't have to be mature to start making more disciples. Anybody ever hear of Apollos? So Apollos was this guy in Acts who went around and he was a believer in Jesus. He was a disciple. And the Bible says he was zealous. I mean, he was passionate. But he didn't yet know about the Holy Spirit. He just knew about baptism in water. So he was going around making disciples all over the place, baptizing people in water. And then these other disciples, anybody remember who they were? Priscilla and Aquila, right? How'd you like to have that name? All right. Priscilla and Aquila. It was a couple. They took Apollos aside and they said, hey, what you're doing is great, but there's more. And he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They talk, taught him about the Holy Spirit. Oh, the newest disciple. All right. <laughs> Apollos got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then he went and made even better and more disciples. We've said it again and again, but you're going to say it one more time. I want you to take your pointer and point and say, you know more than somebody. (laughs) You know more than somebody. No, you do not have to be mature to make more disciples. You just have to be a disciple. Are y'all okay? So that was the seven fictional statements. Those were the seven myths. Who's ready for the seven facts? Number one, discipleship. Oh, this one's easy. Discipleship is inviting people to follow Jesus. Is inviting specifically lost people. Now, what do I mean by lost? What do I mean by lost? Anybody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, bad people, good people, non-religious people, really religious people, anybody that doesn't know Jesus is a lost person. Who used to be lost? It's not an insult to say that you were lost, right? I was lost. We were all lost. You ever been on the highway and you didn't follow Siri and you got lost? It's not a shameful thing to be lost. You just got to find the way, right? And, 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 and the first thing that discipleship is, is finding people that haven't found the way yet and inviting them to come along with you. Let me read you an example. This is out of, uh, of John. Just before I read it, I was thinking this morning, Jesus invited all kinds of people to follow him. He invited the corrupt government official. Who was he? Zacchaeus. Who else did he invite? The corrupt IRS agent. Matthew. He invited some fishermen. Now you think government official? Fishermen. Like, no, I really appreciate fishermen because I love me some fish. But it was kind of a, it wasn't like the, wow, the highest job. Okay. And Jesus invited Pharisees. Like the religious, the most religious of the religious. There he is eating in their house, telling them the truth, right? Jesus invited all kinds of people to follow him. So don't limit yourself to just one type of person. 
when you're inviting people to follow Jesus. John 1.35, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. This was John the Baptist. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. <laughs> I don't know if he said, What dost thou want? Or he said, What do you want? But he asked them, What do they want? All right. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. What was the first step of discipleship? Come and see. Me, basically. Come and see. Come and see. He invited them, right? I mean, how many people would come to Jesus if we would just say, come and see? It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon, Peter, uh, Simon Peter's brother was one of these men who had heard what John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew then went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. So they started to get the picture of who Jesus was, right? Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Come on, say, bring somebody. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you'll be called Cephas, which means Peter, right? He, like, Jesus already nicknamed the guy, and they just barely met. He gives him a new name, Peter, because he knew what Peter was going to be. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, hey, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him. We found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. He, he was real religious, right? Are you noticing something? Jesus didn't even invite all of his apostles. They got invited by each other. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see. Philip replied, come and see for yourself. Discipleship is simply inviting people to follow Jesus. Number two, discipleship is teaching people to obey Jesus. I don't have to go a lot into that because we already did. Matthew 28, he said, teach these new disciples to obey all the things that I've taught you. That didn't happen overnight. It takes time, but remember, it doesn't have to take a long time to teach somebody to follow Jesus. But it's teaching people to obey Jesus. It's not just teaching people to believe in Jesus. It's teaching people to obey Jesus. Number three, discipleship is modeling how to follow Jesus. It's not just telling people how. It's modeling by example, how? 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 1, Paul told the Corinthians, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. In other words, look, here's how you follow Jesus. Discipleship, truly making disciples, isn't just let me tell you how to follow Jesus. True discipleship is let me show you how to follow Jesus. It's modeling with our example what it looks like to follow him. Now, I think about when Jesus went, um, and if you read the header of this in Matthew, it says the first 
disciples, and it was the fishermen, okay? And he went, and he told these fishermen, in fact, he did a miracle where they brought in a bunch of fish, and they were like, oh, my God, who are you? Don't come near me. Uh, I'm unworthy. And he's like, no, just come follow me. <laughs> just come on. And then the very first thing he gave them was their job description. Are you all ready? What did he tell them to do? You know what he told them to do. Oh, from now on, you're going to be fishing for people. You fishermen, he, he kind of connected and identified with them, right? Oh, you're fishermen? Don't worry. From now on, you're still going to be fishermen, but now you're going to learn how to fish for people. And Jesus literally kind of broke it to him right away. If you follow me, one of the main things you're going to be doing is going and getting other people to follow me. Okay? Number four. Sorry, I think that's my son, but everything will be okay. All right. No, no, no. Maybe it's not. Number four. <laughs> no, I, no. Discipleship, number four. Discipleship or being a disciple, number four, is making more disciples. Okay? In the very essence of the word disciple is implied that I make more. Okay? There's no such thing as following someone who made disciples and saying I'm his disciple while not doing what he did, which was make more. So to be a disciple of Jesus is to make more uh, disciples. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. And here is what I want you to really focus on. Give as freely as you have received. All disciples can make more disciples. I don't care if you decide today to become a follower of Jesus. You know what you you know what that makes you to people who've never decided to follow Jesus? A spiritual giant. Right? If you have decided to follow him, you can help others follow him because all disciples can make Disciples, Jesus was telling his disciples, go and do what I did. And then that last phrase there is, go give what you've received. Now, who can't do that? You, we can all go give what we have, right? Say, I don't have very much. You have more than others. You have more than somebody. So what you have, go give it to somebody else. Whatever you've received from him, have you received forgiveness? Have you received healing? Have you received freedom? Have you received love? Go and give that to somebody else, even if you've only been following Jesus for six days. Just go give it out. Somebody, it ran through their, their, their head when I was saying this. I thought that was the pastor's job. To might go make more disciples. Isn't that your job? Yes, because I on the exact same level with you am a disciple. So I best be going and making more disciples if I'm a disciple. But is it just the pastor's job to make disciples? Oh, Lord, no. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about pastors. And there's five different kinds. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or pastors and teachers. And you know what it says their job is? To teach people to make disciples, basically. To mature the saints and train them for the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? 
the work of the ministry isn't standing up here and singing? Well, that's part of helping make disciples, but no, that's not the ministry. This is what we talked about last Sunday, right? There's only one ministry, and we do different things in the ministry. Some may preach, some may sing, some may serve coffee, some may dance in the parking lot. Some may do the finances. All of that is wonderful, but there's one goal in all of that, to make disciples. So, is it just the pastors and the, 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 the pros jobs to make disciples? The disciples. Disciples. No. So let me just say it one more time. It isn't my job to make all the disciples. My job is to help you get good at making disciples while I'll make disciples with you too. Okay? Number six, discipleship is a process. Again, it does not have to be a long, drawn-out, complicated process, but it should definitely be intentional. It must be intentional. Y'all, this is why we have e-groups that we're so excited are going to get started again here in a few weeks, and they're going to explode with new disciples this year. Amen? That's why we have e-groups, so that we can have a place to make disciples. That's why we have the e-track. That's why we invite you. Hey, come to start if you want to get, you know, get connected to the church, right? And then come to the encounter retreat because that's like, this is this amazing weekend where you just really get what you need to have the strength to be a disciple, right? If you haven't been to the encounter retreat, we're going to be doing one here in, in a little bit, so get to that. That's why we have the E-Track, and we do discipleship classes and stuff, right? Because it is a process, but it doesn't have to be long, and it doesn't have to be complicated. Okay? Ready for the final one? Actually, we got two more. Sorry. Number six, discipleship happens best in small groups. Jesus did not disciple the crowds, nor did he actually do much discipling one-on-one. 95% of what Jesus did to disciple took place in his small group. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because we will come back more to that later, but Jesus is the master disciple maker, and his model was a small group, and, and it happened to be a group of 12. I, I don't think we could improve on Jesus' model for making disciples, right? So let's just try to do it like he did. Will it look different in metro Atlanta than it did in the hot, dusty desert of Israel? Yeah, it'll look different, but it's the same model, right? And so we'll talk more of that, about that in the coming weeks, but discipleship happens best in small groups, and we just want to invite you. We're going to get going with our e-groups here. We've been on a little break for summer, but we're going to get going again soon. And if, if you want to learn to be a disciple and you want to help us make more disciples, Get in an e-group. Final one for sure. Number seven, discipleship is multiplication. Discipleship is multiplication. Second Timothy 2, 1 and 2. It's amazing in this little passage right here. You're going to see four generations of disciples that were all formed and being formed in a relatively short period of time, okay? This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Are y'all good? This is it. We're closing this out, all right? Timothy, my dear son. 
Be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. All right? You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Paul, Timothy, trustworthy people, others. Four different generations. But look how it goes. Paul, one man, to Timothy, another man, to trustworthy people, and then every one of those trustworthy people, others. See, discipleship is at one, two, three, four. Discipleship can go one, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four. And I'm going to stop there because I'm not the best at math. Paul, Timothy, trustworthy people, others. It multiplies, y'all. If I'm serious about following Jesus, and I'm simply helping others to follow, inviting them and helping them and teaching them and showing them, okay, this is how you follow Jesus. And they in turn do that with others, who in turn do that with others, who in turn do that with others. You know, that was Jesus' idea of all the nations hearing the gospel. I'm so thankful for people like Paul, Timothy, trustworthy people, and others because it's because of them we've got the gospel. It multiplied to the year 2019. And here we are multiplying the kingdom of God by making disciples. You can stand up. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.